Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever with John. John, how are we doing this morning? All good, Robert. It's game week, so I'm uh, I'm excited, I'm delighted, and I'm very much looking forward to the Premier League being back. I don't know why. Still feel like we're three to four players short, but uh, I can't wait for the Premier League to be back and pre-season to be finished. What about yourself? How's things? Still nervous about the whole Harry Kane saga? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say I was um, nervous about it. Now I think we actually discussed a good bit of this last week on the pod that transfer sagas shouldn't just be allowed to roll over for ages. I think it's there's possibly been a sense of inevitability for a while with Kane here. Um, at this point, I actually can't believe how much Bayern are bidding and we're turning down. It kind of looks like Tottenham might get what they sort of want from this, which is about 100 million quid, and then um, Kane will go. And we've just signed a new player as well, which will link us well into uh, the topic for today, which is stars to break through this season. Um, So with that in mind, I'm actually quietly confident that Spurs' rebuild is getting the ticking over that it needs. Yeah, I mean, you love the optimism from you. <laughs> I think you're in trouble if Kane goes, and I still still think that uh, I think United are, are very quietly waiting about until that fee is agreed and waiting to see what they can come up with at the end of it all with the seals of potentially Maguire, McTominay, Fred over the next few weeks. So we'll see. But I think there's a long way to go in the window, and I don't think that saga is finished yet. From what I what I believe, he wants it resolved before the first game of the season. So I think we'll see this week as to what's going to happen. But yeah, if, if you if there's one person in football you don't want to do business with, it's Daniel Levy. Yeah, I I can definitely agree on that. Um, and yeah, stop stop killing my optimism, eh? It's the start of the season. Um, this will be the year that Tottenham finally win the Prem, um, Kane or not. But yes, it's a. Uh, it's a good it's a good chance. Listen to our last episode if you haven't listened to it. And listen to this one because yeah, we'll be talking about Premier League breakthrough stars. Do you want to kick me off with your first choice, please? Yeah, let's do it. Um I've written these notes from a few days ago. So my first pick is uh Yao Gomez from Wolves. I part of my notes I've got in about how you could shine under Lopetegui, but that is obviously no longer the case. Lopetegui is gone, um, but I do not think that will stunt the growth of Yao Gomez this season uh, from Wolves. Obviously a centre midfielder, 22 years of age. He has a free rite of passage effectively into that Wolves starting 11 now with Neves gone, Matinho gone. He's got a clear path to be able to go in there and play alongside the likes of Lamina and Matias Nunes this year. And I expect him to, to fully take that and step up. Is he a six? Is he an eight? Um, he is a defensive-minded player who has the ability to utilize the ball very effectively. So he is known or he is best some of his best qualities are the defensive side of the games in terms of pressing, interceptions, uh, tackles. He ranked within the top 99% out of tackles in the Premier League last season with four per game in the 11 games that he played. But I think this year when Wolves need big players to step up in a potentially a time of crisis, I think that Yao Gomez will be one of those. I think he will start to show what he showed at Flamengo to get the big move and get the likes of Leon interested whenever he did make the move to Wolves. 
Um, at the young age of 22, he does possess that flair alongside the aggression, the press, and the defensive capabilities that I think will allow him to shine this year in the Premier League. And I think come the end of this season, he will be on the scouting list for a number of the bigger clubs. And whether that is as a relegated player or not, we will discuss that in future episodes. But I think they will be in trouble this year. They'll be towards the relegation zones. But I think Gomez will still shine in that midfield and as part of that Wolves team this year under potentially Gary O'Neill. Nice. Yeah, it definitely looks like Gary O'Neill is going to go through. He's in talks with Wolves as we speak. Um, yeah, and I think there is a good chance for him to shine. Um, obviously, Wolves have got rid of Neves and João Moutinho, so slots have opened in that midfield, so you should potentially get a lot of game time off the back of it. Should he have a good year, what kind of fee do you think he would be looking at transferring for next year? Well, it depends. It depends whether Wolves survive or not is the key thing, um, number one. But we've seen this year with Lavia and the likes that you can still get a big fee for a young player, even if you get relegated. I think he will be a £50 million player towards the end of the season. They signed him for about £18 million last January. Um, so I think he will be a £50 million rated player by the end of the season if things go well for him, as I expect him to do. Okay. Nice. Um, We'll move on to my first pick because it's also a South American and it's the one I alluded to in our intro. It's Alejo Veliz. So he is a 19-year-old striker. He is described as a power forward. Um, This one came through the door literally yesterday. So it's nice and um, nice and current for everybody. Um, He got 11 goals in 21 appearances for Rosario Central last year and has in his career got a goal action every 82 minutes. Now, um, I've seen him described as a power forward uh, and looked at kind of some of his clips and stuff. He's very aggressive in his press and does actually get a lot of headed goals. He's kind of a bit of a fox in the box in that way. However, upon reading um, kind of Argentinian experts' pieces on him, uh, apparently, actually, if you do watch full games of him, he is a bit weak. Um, His head, he loses quite a lot of jewels in the box. So normally when he's getting its headers, it's kind of when he's free. Um, But he's very much seen as the next to break through kind of on the Argentinian team. He's uh, been playing well for their under-19s. I've seen him describe as a better version of Julian Alvarez, a less greedy one. Um, And don't take my word for it. This is what Lionel Messi had to say. Uh, On talking about the next ones to break through, he said, especially Veliz. Watching him play reminds me of Suarez used to play like. I'm very excited for the future of this country and I hope I can be an influence to these people and talk to him. So, yeah, Messi effectively saying he wants to mentor him as he sees him as his country's brightest new star. Now, um, in terms of Tottenham overall, as I say, I think Kane will go. Um, I don't necessarily think Tottenham will spend that money on another striker um, just because you've got Son who can play up there. You've got Richarlison who's kind of set to be the main man this year. However, based on Richarlison's injury record last year, I do think there are games for Valise to pick up. And Tottenham have been kind of a very different 
team in preseason. Um, they had over 30 shots in the game against West Ham. Um, Oliver Skip got two goals against Barcelona last night, which will tell you all about kind of our cavalier attitude to attacking. Um, quite often you'll see little uh, screenshots of us with seven or eight players in and around the box this year for sure. You've got Madison as a kind of key creator. Um it's shown our goal output by the fact that Charleston got a hat-trick in one game. Kane got four against Shakhtar Donetsk last week. And yes, I think he beats Dane Scarlett or Troy Parrott's minutes. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Valif could be the next big one up up next in Argentinian football. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think if uh, an attacking style player is going to succeed at Spurs under the likes of Ange is probably the perfect manager to do so. I'll take your word for it. Um, I haven't seen as much as you clearly have in terms of researching what he could potentially do at Spurs, but let's move on. Um, excited to see what he can do. My next pick is Elliot Anderson at Newcastle. 20-year-old winger. Um, has had an excellent preseason with four goals across his preseason uh, campaign. And one that I think we will see more and more in the Premier League as the season goes on. We saw him in bits and pieces last year. He can get his hands dirty as sort of that third centre midfielder as well. But I think we will see him maybe in the right side of midfield for Newcastle towards and during this season. The thing, the reason I think we'll, we'll see more and more of him as the season goes on is we've previously discussed the form and the consistency of Harvey Barnes and uh, Anthony Gordon. And I think Almiron, I think everybody knows that was likely a one season wonder type of season. I would love to be proven wrong. But the consistency levels are not there right now, in my opinion, for the Newcastle wingers that are in the squad. Harvey Barnes on his day could be a 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, and then the next week could be a 5, and the next week after that could be a 6. So Elliot Anderson and his performances during preseason, he seems to have bulked up a little bit. He seems to have sort of thrown himself in to the team a little bit more in terms of putting himself about rather than shying away as a, a younger player. I think he will get opportunities. I think he, he has shown in the likes of the Aston Villa preseason game, if you had the opportunity to watch that, if people have not, I would go and recommend watching the highlights, that he can play alongside some of the best in the game. And, um, and I think he will get more and more opportunities as the season progresses with Newcastle. And I'm increasingly confident that he will take those opportunities and become a regular within this Newcastle team over the next 12 to 18 months. But I think this season will be a massive season in terms of breaking through, showing what he can do, at the Premier League level and capitalising upon the opportunities given whenever Anthony Gordon or uh, Harvey Barnes show forms of inconsistency. I think the, the departure of Alan St. Maximum opens that door as well in terms of sort of having Elliot Anderson potentially as that third or fourth winger option. Um, so he will be the one that they give the nod to if those two go through bad patches or get injured, obviously, which is a very real possibility as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this kid too. He was originally on my list as well. Um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely case for him uh, getting some minutes this year, even if that is Newcastle attempt to have a FA Cup or Carabao Cup run. Obviously, it's been a long time since they've got silverware and they kind of need to lay that first marker. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch him pick up some minutes, I think. I think he can definitely contribute to that attack. And yeah, I think Newcastle also need their Foden moment. 
I think it's one thing when you've got more money than anybody else and you can kind of compete in that thing. It's another when your youth academy really starts paying fruition and you can kind of out-compete teams based on, yeah, your football production. I think Man City have now really, really shown the benefits of that. Um, obviously, you've got Cole Palmer and people like that coming through, but also just the sales that they're able to do. Like Man City are consistently making 20 million plus off their youth academy every year just in sales. So um, it'd be interesting to see how this goes. And I'm sure Newcastle will be looking for him to be a potential star boy of the youth academy moving forward. 100%. Let's hit me with your second choice as well. Yeah, so mine's actually a guy I've spoke to about on the podcast before. Um, I think... Obviously, consistency is important, so I will. And it's a guy who this year will be getting a go at Premier League football. It's Ryan Giles, the left-back. Um, he's signed for Luton Town. Last year, he was playing at Middlesbrough along that side, that really nice kind of Michael Carrick football, uh, playing left-back, but pretty much playing like as a left-forward. Um, bags of assists, this guy's. I think he got 11 in the championship last year um, and actually only signed for 6 million, which considering he's 23 and British is, um, yeah, not bad value whatsoever. Uh, so in terms of his numbers, he got the top 99% for assists last year, top 86% for shot-creating actions. He also really excels with his progressive passes received. Um, I've just put a note here, like, are Wolves allergic to finding solutions from within? Um, obviously, they don't have loads of money at the minute. They're going to get hit by FFP sanctions. Like, they need to make a profit this year to fall within a hundred million loss over the three-year period. But considering they've sold Neves, considering, um, yeah, they've done other bits of business, considering they spent 50 million on Mateus Cunha, uh, which they definitely didn't have to do. It's a shock to see Ryan Giles go, particularly for so little money. Um, Rob Edwards, the Luton manager, actually knows him from being on the Wolves coaching staff as well. So you've got to say they've found a player who suits what the manager wants to do nicely. And yeah, super attacking outlet. Luton will try and pour pressure on teams when they play at home this year. And I think for the relative fee, that is a bargain. And one, whether Luton stay in the league or not next year, they could realistically look to double their money or use it to push them towards kind of becoming a bit more of a stable Premier League club, which I think might be beyond them this year. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think the strange one for Wolves is, you know, Ryan Giles did show that potential in a really attractive Middlesbrough team last year. Um, and yet they're being linked with Aaron Cresswell, spending money on him, you know, whenever you have the solution in-house. I think we will see more and more youth players coming through Wolves, but you're right, it's they've been quick to spend and spend with quite large price tags, which has seen them fall into this trap. Interesting one, Ryan Giles. I'm, I'm, I'm personally very excited to see what Luton can do. They've made a number of, of smaller name signings. Um, some would say they're trying to build for that relegation and straight back getting promotion again, but I think they've got a strategy there that they're clearly sticking to. And um, I'm interested to see what how that can materialize within the Premier League this year. So Ranjal's interesting choice. My third choice is Ilya Zabernai. Um, definitely pronouncing that incorrectly again. Awful pronunciations, but uh, Ilya Zabernai from Bournemouth, young centre half, 20 years of age, joined from Dynamo Kiev in January and only went on to make five appearances for the club from January until the end of the season. Why is that? Um, he 
is quite a progressive, modern-style centre-half, very good with the ball at his feet, um, not as much no-nonsense as Bournemouth probably needed to ensure they steered clear of relegation towards the end of last season under Guy O'Neill. But now that they've brought in Andoni Ariola, this season I think they will play much, much more attractive football. Uh, and I think Zabernay will be at the forefront of that, at the heart of the defence. He's a 20-year-old defender, as I've mentioned, but he's already represented Ukraine on 26 occasions, playing every minute of the Euros campaign, um, where obviously they went out to England in the quarterfinals. Uh, he's, like I said, he's not an old-school type centre-half. He's very good with the ball at his feet. He's very good at getting out of tricky situations, and he's the type that will use his body to close down uh, situations rather than forcing the tackle. Uh, he is very good in one-on-one situations. I think he will be very, very effective for Bournemouth this year in terms of implementing that new style of play. I think Bournemouth will stay clear or will steer clear of relegation zones. Um, and I think Zabra and I will be at the very forefront of that. And at 20 years of age, he will be, again, another one that I could see on bigger club scouting lists come the end of the season. But I think that was a big coup that Bournemouth were able to get him in January very much went under the radar because he wasn't one they just threw into his first team definitely one that they saw as a big player for this year and future seasons I think he will prove to be that this year yeah I yeah I think he's an interesting one I remember when they signed him and you kind of go like oh 20 million like Bournemouth have really kind of pushed the boat out here um but yes it kind of it kind of makes sense that's what big good clubs do who can kind of guarantee their Premier League survival for a bit. They allow some of these players to bed in a little bit. So yes, certainly he should be one who fits kind of the new style more. I think the new manager comes from kind of like a Bielsa disciple. It's high pressing, high energy. Um, Expects Bournemouth to be kind of one of the fittest teams in the league next year. And I think also their young squad kind of will allow them to do that. So yeah, he should be an exciting one. Um, I don't know if Senesi kind of took um, his shine last year, um, but it'd be interesting to see if he can incorporate in the back line. And I think one thing it's also worth mentioning to people, because I forgot to do this at the start, but um, these aren't necessarily going to be the biggest names in the league next year. This is very much kind of breakouts. It's people who've had limited minutes and that you probably don't recognise the name of to the casual Premier League fan. So we're shining a spotlight on some of the lesser known names, which is why we're not talking about, I don't know, Martin Odegaard having a breakout year, for example, because he's already too good. Good point. Good point. I think we've allowed ourselves one sort of bigger player that we think could be in line for a massive season isn't that right so we picked four sort of smaller names that will be breakthrough and one that we think will excel in the league this year um, some which might be quite biased as you would expect but we stick with it um, we stick with our beliefs and we go again so do you want to hit me with your third choice then Rob? Yeah, well, speaking of Excel, it is back to my spreadsheet. And next up, we have Divin Mabama, uh, the West Ham 18-year-old forward. So he got a goal for them in the Conference League last year. Um, and yes, I think he will pick up a lot of minutes this year just because West Ham have gone up a level from the Conference League to the um, Europa League. Um, typically based on their form, West Ham really do try and go out there and win this competition. Um, Skamaka has now gone to Atalanta. 
Um, Antonio only got five goals in the league last year, which means that the only bracket good enough option is Danny Ings. And uh, West Ham quite like playing two up top with David Moyes as well. So unless they can pull kind of a rabbit out of the hat uh, with not much of the window left to go, I expect this guy to get some minutes and some prem minutes. Um, He scored three in four in preseason. And I watched a highlight of a youth game for him versus Feyenoord last year. I think he really needs to bulk up. He's got a very skinny frame, but he's got really, really nice feet. And I think he's a bit unpredictable in the dribble as well. He seems to sell a lot of players. They kind of slide in on him and he kind of glides past them. So I think that's a really nice trait that could see him pick up minutes as a second striker, not necessarily the out and out bagsman. Uh, He excels in finding space in the box as well. So I think he could work well with kind of a bully like an Antonio or he could work really nicely getting fed by Paqueta, who I think that could be a really nice future relationship um, building, uh, provided he stays. And I think one thing that actually, it might give him less minutes, but it might take a little bit of pressure off him, is if West Ham aren't necessarily where they need to be come January, actually they might go out and buy a more... um, a more settled striker, and then he's related in cup minutes because 18 is really, really young. Like, realistically, we could be doing this podcast in three years' time and talking about him as a star who could break through. So expect him to get some minutes. Expect him to get maybe three to five goals, I would anticipate, as a success for him this year as that younger forward in in the league. But yes, I think he has a bright future in the game and I expect him to be able to kind of realise some of that at West Ham. Nice. Interesting choice. I think one that's in quite a lot of fancy football teams this season. Um, You're right, though. I mean, they're trying to use that Declan Rice money and their focus is on McTominay and Maguire. And apparently they're quite close to finalising the fee for James Ward-Prowse. Uh, and obviously there's also now talk of Paqueta going to Man City, which makes things a little bit more confusing for West Ham. But a lot of the time, their focus has not been on a striker this summer. Um, I thought they might have been in the market for someone like Jonathan David, for example, but they have steered clear of being linked with strikers this summer. So it'll be interesting to see if he does get the opportunity. Like you said, they've got enough football across the cup competitions that I think he will get game time. Um, the inconsistency of the strikers last season, I think, will allow him to also get game time in the league. So I know he was quite good against Spurs in preseason, I believe, uh, which is where you might have seen him. But I'm interested to see what he can do. I think that he is a young player that could step up. We've seen some West Ham youth players making that step up in recent seasons. Um, but I think he's probably one of the, the brighter talents that they have within the ranks. So you would love to see him get the opportunity. Definitely. Uh, do you want to hit me with your next pick, please? Yeah, so my next and probably my last sort of youth pick, um, or is my last youth pick, it was very, very difficult to pick one because uh, this player is actually out injured at the minute. So I was close with going for Ben Doak, who we will all know about by the end of this year. I was also close for going with, uh, with Oscar Bob, who any of my Man City fans I've been texting about for the last six months, I think I've also sent a few bits and pieces to you about Oscar Bob. Um, will he get enough of an opportunity in the first team at Man City this season? I hope so, but I don't know. I think one player that will get game time in the first team across Premier League and Cup competitions when he comes back from injury is uh, is Kobe Manu at Manchester United, 18-year-old centre midfielder. 
I think he's one of the main reasons why United are so open to selling both Fred and McTominay this summer is because this kid will step up and he will be a first team player over the next 12 to 18 months. You say that, you know, 12 to 18 months because he is only 18, but he's got a, a good build on him. He's very, very good with the ball at his feet. He can get himself out of tricky situations really, really nicely. He's got a good passing range as well. Um, he sort of plays as a box-to-box midfielder at his youth level, but I, I think he will play as a number six, as a sort of second holding midfielder for United whenever he does come back from injury and he does get given the opportunity. Um, that United team that won the FA Youth Cup a few seasons ago, you had the likes of Garnacho in that team. I would have argued that Manu was the best player on that team um, and his chance in the first team will come as a result of an excellent youth career at United to date. I hope that he does come back. He had an excellent preseason before he did get that injury against Real Madrid. He was starting games. He was playing as that number six alongside Casemiro and alongside Mount and some of the other players in the team. Um, and he was extremely impressive, probably one of the shining lights of United's preseason uh, this summer. But he's now out for about two months, which puts him into really tricky territory in terms of when he comes back. Will he get back in time for the cup competitions? Hopefully. Um, but I think he's a bigger player than just a cup competition type player. I think we'll start to see a type of integration in the team that we saw with Garnacho last season. He won't get thrown into the starting eleven. He will get the odd start. He will be around the first team squad. But I think by the end of the season, we'll see how good of a player he actually is. And I think he plays beyond his age. He can control the tempo in that midfield. And if you put him in alongside, you know, Casemiro, Mount, potentially Amrabat, I don't think he'll look out of place. Nice. Yeah. Agree with most of what you say. This is a guy I've heard about. I haven't actually watched play, so I'm glad for your notes. Uh, But yes, I think, yeah, there's definitely some game time for him there. I think Man United's midfield uh, acquisitions have been a bit odd. I think they're, obviously, they're holding West Ham over a barrel over McTominay at the minute. Uh, In an ideal world, I think they sell Fred and then they bring in Amrabat. Um, I don't necessarily think they sell McTominay unless they can get top dollar and they can look to kind of then, I don't know, maybe get a Manu Kone type or someone who suits Ten Hag's football style a little bit more. But yes, because of restrictions there, because they're kind of relying on what other clubs do, potentially there are some minutes for him to pick up. And yeah, it should be exciting to see how he can come into the fold. Um, It feels like, a lot of Manchester United youngsters kind of get hyped up very early, obviously, as being one of the largest clubs in the world, huge, huge fan base. So I'm be excited to see if he can deliver because it feels like, and I know Garnacho's in the early phases of this, but it feels like one hasn't properly since Marcus Rashford. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think there's another player that you could have named there as well. But I think um, with Manu, I think they would have been open to selling. McTominay, I think that injury of his at the start of the season, not knowing um, if he will bounce back in time to make a big impact towards the rest of the season, means that it becomes a much more difficult conversation as to whether they cash in on McTominay now or whether they need him about until at least January. So it it does make it way, way more uh, difficult of a decision. But I think if he had been fit, if he hadn't picked up that ankle injury, then McTominay would be on the market and would be for sale right now and they would have been negotiating more and more with West Ham so I think that's how good he is I think he would have been deemed 
that maybe fifth choice midfielder and someone that could be seen to be able to do a job in that midfield for United across all competitions this year. Nice. Okay. Um, so my final pick is Simon Adingra, the 21 Ivory Coast, 21 years old Ivory Coast international who plays for Brighton. Now, I know you're much familiar with this guy, John, as he is on your current fantasy team bench. Uh, but yes, this guy will, he's the one I'm most confident about breaking through this year purely because he had such a good year last year. Actually, in many ways, European football fans, his breakthrough year was last year where he got 20 goal contributions in the Belgian league for Saint-Gilloise, Brighton's uh, kind of second club, effectively. Tony Bloom, the owner, also owns them, and they are very much kind of like title contenders in Belgium now. Um, So yes, it was 11 goals, 9 assists. So very productive from wide positions. Now, he's probably been Brighton's best player in preseason, uh, actually from the left, which obviously is where Matoma plays. So that's a slight concern, but he can also um, output from the right. So his flexibility kind of across the front line, I think, will be a very useful weapon for Brighton. So I expect him to pick up a ton of minutes. Now, he got two goals versus Brentford in preseason in probably his best game. Um, he's fast. He's a good dribbler. Um, and also a really nice range of finishing. I think he allows Brighton to be able to play in a slightly different way in that they can mix up kind of some of their possession-based play um, with a bit more of a counter-attacking, ruthless edge. Uh, one of the goals I saw him score in preseason literally came straight from the keeper. Ball over the top, nicely taken down, and then I think he clips it round the keeper. So I expect him to pick up a lot of minutes Uh, He's definitely a shout for your fantasy league teams because he's undervalued at this moment in time. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think in a world where Matoma might leave in the next year or so, Brighton have already found their man to replace him long term. Yeah, yeah, proper, proper player. I have him in my fantasy team at the minute. Um, I also have Anderson on my fantasy team as well at the minute. So I am putting my neck on the line with some of these breakthrough players. But this is a player that we have discussed in a bit of detail. I don't know how Brighton continue to do it. They just always churn out quality after player after player, quality after quality. And um, fair play to him. And fair play to them, sorry. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Obviously, he showed against Brentford preseason. He showed in the other preseason games as well. Will he be in that starting 11 for the first game of the season for, for Brighton? I'm not actually certain that he will, uh, but I, he will become a regular in that team as the season goes on. And as Rob, you've already called out, at five million in the fantasy football uh, league this year, he will be a bargain. So get him on your team, get him on your bench, and wait for the moment that he starts to shine. Yeah, and I think Brighton are really good at doing that as well. I think it's one thing they particularly excel in as a club. Obviously, having the Belgian league team as a landing spot. So if players have to wait a year or two to get their permits. Um, that's one thing that helps kind of get them used to Premier League football. And the second is they've actually got a really good squad now, Brighton. Um, It's quite deep, lots of different players for lots of different positions. So they can wait kind of three to six months to integrate players. Obviously, Deserby's tactics, I'm told, are quite complex. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not told, I've seen. But uh, certainly he likes to have the players bed in for a while before necessarily putting them into the starting lineup. So yeah, I think I, I don't see a 
future where this doesn't work effectively. It might not necessarily be the first six months of the season, but definitely expect him to kind of cash in with minutes towards the end of the campaign, which now, as you alluded to, this won't necessarily be our younger breakthrough. It might be a player who kind of has, and you expect to have a really good season, kind of join a higher bracket of player or perception. Hit me with your player, please, John. Yeah, so following on from a player that I didn't think would start the first game of the season to another player who I don't think will start the first game of the season, but he will break into the team, he will become a regular, and he will score those goals. And um, whenever I mentioned bias earlier on, this is what I meant, because my name is Darwin Nunes, a 24-year-old striker, obviously plays for Liverpool. Where do you start? Did he have a good season last season? From many people's perspective, No. I think he had a conversion rate of around 11%, whereas if you compare that to his final season at Benfica, where it was around 31%, you, you could see, obviously, that the composure wasn't there in front of goal. The ability to adapt as quickly as he would want to to the Premier League wasn't fully there, but also that didn't help with the team that he was playing in, to be very candid. Um, Bobby Firmino played as a centre-forward for Liverpool for absolutely years, where he would drop deep to allow Mane and Salah or Mane and additional or Salah and additional wingers to come into the game, be brought into the game. And he created that space because the midfield three were so flat. But I think what we've done this summer very quietly is start to build the team around Darwin Nunes a bit more. We saw Gakpo come in second half of last season and was really, really successful because he could play that Bobby Firmino role. But that's not the role Nunes plays. Whenever he did shine last season, it was on the left, where it was he was getting that additional space. He was coming in from a, a deeper striker, creating that space for him and running into it. But with the likes of Sabosly being signed, with McAllister being signed, with Jones coming through, with that additional double pivot acting as the two centre midfielders with Trent plus one, hopefully Lavia, hopefully somebody else towards um, the first few weeks of the season, we will see more space in that midfield to allow those attacking players break through, break the lines, uh, get further forward and act as maybe a double 10 with McAllister and Sabosli, which will suit Darwin Nunes absolutely perfectly in terms of creating that space behind the, the defenders, creating that space in between the channels, which is where he will excel. Will his composure improve? Absolutely. It has done in pre-season. We've seen that. We've seen examples of it. Will he continue to get chances in and around the box? 100%. He was in the top... 98 percentile of non-penalty XG last season, also for progressive passes, also for touches in the opposition box. What he has is uncoachable in terms of the chaos that he causes. Once he gets a more level head and composed head on him, we will see more goals in a team that will start to play to his strengths. And that's why I think Darwin Nunes will be that breakthrough player in terms of being a top, top, maybe 20 goals a season in the Premier League this year. This year. Um, why can I say that? First season at Benfica, played 29 games, scored six goals. Second year at Benfica, played 28 games, scored 26 goals. So he's proven that he might take a while to adapt, but once he adapts, there is a quality player there. And I think Jurgen Klopp is the perfect manager to bring that out. Yeah, great player. I know we've looked at kind of his goals and assists per minute record, and actually he does really, really well there. And yeah, to be honest, I actually agree. I think one of the weird things that happened last year was it was almost like Klopp wasn't quite aware of the player that he signed um, because Darwin Nunes played as kind of a central striker for Benfica but then often actually hung out on the wing and then Klopp tried to play him kind of left wing 
as a player who then came late into the centre, which, yeah, I don't know. It didn't it didn't really work. He's better kind of as your striker and then allowing other players to rush into the box first and he makes kind of the last late post entry. Um, but yeah, I think raw talent, like there's a lot, there's so much potential there. And actually he remind his potential Liverpool career reminds me of a certain Luis Suarez, his countryman in that he wasn't particularly prolific to start with. And then when he got a bit more confident, started having a few things go for him. Liverpool as well with players like Fabosley in the midfield this year will play a lot more attacking football. Um, yeah, I can see heaps of chances being created. And whilst he might not be the most clinical striker in the league, I think he's got to look at 20 Premier League goals as a realistic target. 100% completely agree. Hopefully big season for Darwin, hopefully a big season for Liverpool. Um Hit me up. Who's your choice? Yeah, well, I don't necessarily co-sign the hopefully big season for Liverpool. Um, but I, for my last pick, I've decided to pick a uh, wonder kid who wasn't paid £64 million up to £80 million pounds for and pick a slightly rarer name. Um, but my one to excel is uh, the 18-year-old Argentine attacking midfielder from Brighton, Facundo Buonanate. Now, um, fans will probably have seen him get a bit of game time towards the end of last year. He got 13 games in the Prem last year, one goal, one assist. Um, the Zerbi ball loves these types of players. I think Alexis McAllister, who was largely playing a bit further forward last year, he'll be able to pick up a lot of his kind of game time in the attacking roles. Um, one slight concern I have is if a Caicedo goes, um, how did Brighton adjust to potentially someone like Mo Dehoud, who doesn't have as much defensive output in the midfield? Um, how does the whole kind of system change around that? Um, but I've put him as my choice because I expect him to be a 60 million type player in two years. Uh, I expect the team to bid that much money for him, given how young he is and how good he is. Now, um, in the Premier League last year, his only really excelling stat was that he was a top 87% passer for his position. Um, and he also did a really nice kind of run against Man City, showing that he can do it at kind of an elite level. Um, so I actually looked a bit into Argentinian football, um, some of the, his clips and game time there to kind of get a better measure just because his sample size is so small. Um, and he kind of excels in popping up in the box late um, yeah, he's kind of often the unmarked man uh, to finish moves there. He's very diminutive. Um, he kind of excels at beating a man on the dribble. So he uh, he kind of glides along in his style. Um, I think he will excel in getting Brighton higher up the pitch um, in their transition. And hopefully he can be there, the man to finish it off a few times as well, which obviously will put a few zeros on his price tag if he does so. Now, my hot take for the season is I expect Brighton to finish potentially eighth, actually. Um, but I think they'll get to the Europa League semis. They're in that competition this year. First time ever in Europe. So it's a bit of a hot take to say that they will get that far. But I expect them to be able to beat kind of one of the tournaments uh big dogs like I think they might be a Roma-esque team along the way and yeah I think they'll get to the semi-finals so great player I'm excited to watching him a bit more this season in Brighton who I think are probably one of the best teams to watch as a neutral overall yep agreed another one that I think will come through at Brighton it's whether Edingra actually gets in the way of his progress we'll wait and see but Brighton are just such an exciting team I think if they can bring Kudos in as well they'll have another great squad as to 
what they can do in the Premier League and also manage uh, European football as well this season. So good choice, good selection. Um, I, that's been an exciting episode. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing who those breakthrough players are, who those bargains on FPL might be. And um, anything else you would like to add to that, Rob? Not really. I think that sums up this episode. Bit of a shorter one for everybody um, because when inevitably eight out of these 10 guys don't break through, you wouldn't want to listen to an hour and a half podcast on it. So um, yes, I'm excited to see the progress of these and many more with the Prem coming back on Saturday and excited to see you in town tomorrow where we'll be filming as many podcasts as possible uh, because John is over to, yes, kick in the new season and we won't say it's because of a work trip. Exactly, exactly. We might get a few bonus episodes in um, on Friday, but yeah, looking forward to catching up in person. We're, we're going to do a 24-hour straight podcast recording. Um, I'm joking, we're not. But we'll get a bonus episode out on Friday in preparation for the big season, and uh, very much looking forward to, to doing some of these in person with you, Rob. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. Speak soon, Rob.